Jesus is in the final week of his earthly life. Soon he will be condemned by the Sanhedrin, of which the chief priests and elders are members. It is not a popular idea to suggest that outcasts have priority over those established in the synagogue. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. When Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus said to them, I will also ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. Did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it from human origin? And they argued with each other, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe it? But if we say of human origin, we are afraid of the crowd, for all regard John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. What do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. He answered, I will not but later changed his mind and went. The father went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I will go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of the father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are going into the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not change your minds and believe him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Which of the two did the will of the Father? They said, the first. All the preaching blogs talk about this particular gospel is about the kingdom of God and that it is a difference in righteousness. A lot of them talk about the idea of the reason that these prostitutes and tax collectors enter into the kingdom of God is because they repent. As the parable says, the first son says, I will not, and later changed his mind and went. And so the preaching blogs say, and therefore what Jesus is getting across is the idea of repentance for the kingdom of God. Now, I don't want to say that's bad. I mean, I'm a big fan of repentance in the kingdom of God, so, you know, that's all very nice. But they're all wrong. Huh. 
this gospel and this parable are about John the baptizer. I mean, the beginning of it, Jesus introduces about John the baptizer, and at the end he returns to John the baptizer. I say John the baptizer because I don't want John to sound like a member of a denomination. So, because of course we all know he was Episcopalian. <laughs> Even though he probably dressed a little bit, but in any event. The important thing is drinking the sherry. But let's recall what John the baptizer was about. In Luke chapter 3, his message is, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruits worthy of repentance. John's message was a pretty scary one. You've got to turn your lives around because the time is here. The time is to make a decision. The day of the Lord is upon us, that furious day when he will come, and he will thrash us all about with his winnowing fan, and some will be lost. And it's time for you to make a decision whether you want to be lost or whether you want to be on his team. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? In reply, he said, anyone who has two coats must share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to him to be baptized. And they asked him, teacher, what should we do? He said to them, collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, and we, what should we do? He said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. The baptizer was making very specific demands on the people who were coming to him for a baptism of repentance. Now, John's baptism was sort of like a enacted parable. He was not doing the baptism we do because he didn't have our theology. He didn't have Thomas Aquinas back then. <laughs> Instead, it was more of, I guess, like a mikvah, you know, like a ritual washing, a cleaning, trying to wash off the dirt of our sinfulness, to make an enacted parable of we are cleansing ourselves of the past and marching into our future. And to show that, we're going into a different way of living. We will live honestly. We will live contentedly. We will live without violence, without inappropriate desire. We will live according to the kingdom. That message was embraced by the prostitutes and the tax collectors Jesus is talking about. So when he says, John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. That's what that means. They turned their lives around. They were like the first son 
go into the vineyard, no, I will not, but later regretted their decisions and labored in the kingdom. In the gospel itself, it shows that the Pharisees themselves continued in their obstinacy because they treated John's baptism like some sort of theological conundrum, a political issue. Well, we can't say it's from God because we didn't buy into it. And we can't say it's of human origin because the crowds are going to stone us. So they still, even when Jesus asked them point blank about the baptism, they still hedged. They still took it politically. They still took it in terms of power, in terms of their standing, in terms of what's the right thing to say to stay ahead. And that is why Jesus said, you're like the second son, who said, oh yes, Lord, I'll go to the vineyard, but disappointed his father. The way of righteousness, righteousness belongs to those who hear the good news and pattern their life according to it. The question of authority, however, is something that really cuts to our quick, especially as Americans. You know, as soon as somebody talks about authority, I mean, doesn't our back kind of bristle up? You know, who are you to tell me? Or what makes you think you know how to tell me? Or anything like that. Unfortunately, in our mind, it seems like authority tends to be backed up with power. If I have authority over you, that means I have power to make you do what I want. And power to make you do what I want is another word for violence. Ultimately, our understanding of authority rests on violence. And I don't think that is the way of the kingdom. Authority actually comes from the word author, the one who writes. And consequently, I would suggest that authority comes from having a true account of what our lives are about. There was a play, Pirandello wrote, Six Characters in Search of an Author. So a dad and a mom and a son and a stepdaughter all come and interrupt a play and say, tell our story because they didn't have a story to tell. And a theologian once said, the story we tell in America is that we get to write our own story in the absence of having a story. We just live our lives moving forward. And unfortunately, the only way we can understand our lives is looking backward. I spoke before about a wonderful idea of the Holy Spirit is a cloud. We can only move forward so far. We can only see so far. 
We can only understand looking back. But for Christians, when we turn around and look back, we see our story is the cross. Sondheim wrote a play, Into the Woods, modeled after Bettelheim's The Uses of Enchantment. And he took the idea that we tell our children stories to help them to navigate life, to make sense of their growing up and becoming adults. Little Red Riding Hood, stay on the path or you will be lost to the wolf and so forth. And the highlight song of that is children will listen. We tell each other stories not in order to get people to do what we want. That's violence. Instead, we Christians tell stories because the story of Jesus Christ that we heard in the Philippians hymn, he was divine and he emptied himself and he became one of us and he entered into our slavery and even accepted death, death on a cross, the shameful death on a cross. And yet, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every other name, so that at Jesus' name every knee must bend in the heavens, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue proclaim to the glory of God, Jesus Christ is Lord. The story is... We follow in the footsteps of Jesus. We are emptying ourselves, even accepting death on a cross, so that we in Jesus may be raised up to glory, to fulfillment, to God's kingdom. And I would suggest that story not only is the truest account of who we are, and what we are called to be, but it is quite simply the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. Who gave the wren the authority to sing? By what authority does the hurt child cry? What authority is required of you to speak truthfully? By what authority does a wound heal so magically. Listen for the spirit in you. That gives you life. And that empowers your life giving. Listen for the truth that wells up in you. Whether it cries out in pain or in joy. Though silenced. Speak. Disbelieved. Proclaim. Doubted. Be true. Listen to the infinite author who gives you the lines. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.